Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. You're listening to the Inside Carolina podcast, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, JohnnyTShirt.com. Recording this Monday evening for Tuesday's On The Beat podcast. Of course, On The Beat means Ross Martin and Greg Barnes, Carolina's or Inside Carolina's best beat writers covering North Carolina sports, football, basketball. I'll start with Ross Martin. Ross, um, let's get into something right out the gate from today's press conferences with Mac Brown and Longo and Jay Bateman. I thought you asked great questions concerning the substitution patterns and how each of those coordinators deal with uh, the talent they have both on the field and on the bench. How do they swap them out? What's the routine and all? Let's start with the offensive side. I think I think folks um, need to hear what Longo had to say about how he utilizes, especially his wide receivers. What'd you learn? Yeah, so I asked this question after looking at the um, participation report that, that Ben does every Sunday morning. I think it's kind of, because you don't see that. You don't really see who's getting snaps and how many snaps and the breakdown. So it's definitely a good feature for premium subscribers inside Carolina. And so that's why I asked kind of how they deal with that. Cause you're seeing them talk about these players, but you're not seeing them play as much like Antoine green's not playing much. Eugene Asante didn't play on Saturday. So uh, I was trying to kind of get an idea of, you know, what's their plan. Is there a plan? Is it, is it just, if, if it's a tight game, the best players play, how they go about rotating um, players. And I mean, simply, I mean, Obviously, the running backs is pretty simple. They, they get a kind of equal carry, uh, equal amount of reps and carries uh, as much as they can to make that equal. Wide receivers, wide receivers is a little bit different. I mean, it's clear some of the best players play, but it's a little bit more of an even distribution. They do try to get some um, rest early and, and even win in like the second and third quarter. So when it does matter, when it's a big-time play, when it's a big-time moment, they can have their best players in there and fresh. But there's also a sense of just the best players playing. Um, you kind of got that sense from talking with Bateman and some of the stuff that Longo said. Um, offensive line, um, kind of the same thing. The, the top guys are playing. They're working in a couple other players. Um, Quarion Johnson got some snaps. Ed Montillas is working in and out. So you're seeing that as well. Um, we we kind of just did this interview a couple hours ago. I'm trying to kind of go back and think about exactly what they're saying. I mean, Bateman had a, a pretty interesting perspective about that Chad Surratt and Jeremiah Gimmel are so important to the defense that he can't take them out. I mean, there's times when they, they're the, the brains of the operation. So to get you uh, Eugene Asante in and Kadri Jackson, it's so tough because of, of how important Surratt and, and Gimmel are. And defensive ends have been getting a bit more reps, moving in Hopper and Fox and Des Evans and Cayman Rucker are getting some reps. And then figuring out spots where they can play – certain guys and if they have success they can stay in and then give the the starters a, a longer break and Bateman also talked about using the tv timeouts as an advantage because there is certainly a lot of time to rest uh greg i mean you were there did, did you take anything else away from that i mean it's, it's kind of complicated i'm definitely gonna write about it later in the week and we'll have those quotes up soon it's just a it's a matter of trust you know we can we can talk about a, diff, a lot of different elements uh but you've got to you've got to have a situation where the players have gained their coach's trust, and on the flip side, the coaches have to really give the players opportunities to gain their trust. You can only do so much in practice, uh, and so it, it's kind of meeting 
meeting each other from both directions. Uh, and, and that's, a, that's a tough thing, but we talked about it all the time last year and, you know, they, they really relied on Aaron Crawford and Jason Strobridge until they were out of the coastal race. And at that point is when we saw Jaleel Taylor and Raymond Vahasek's uh, snaps, you know, come up. Do you want to get into that situation again, especially in 2020, and especially because that's all Mac talked about this offseason. From March, we have to build depth. You have to have every player in your position group ready to play because we don't know on game day or until game day who's going to be available. So what Mac said several times this summer is, I don't want to hear any excuses. If you're down four guys in a position group, no excuses. You've known since March that all these guys had to be ready to play. So the coaches know it and the players know it. So there has to be you know, some give and take there. And uh, you know, it's a lot easier said than done. I'm glad I do not have to make that decision. Uh, but we're looking at a stretch here of what, seven straight games without a break. And then you have one opening where you maybe, you know, if there is a break because of COVID, you may have another game slid in there. I mean, you don't have a lot of time to kind of allow guys to grow with bye weeks and those kind of things. And that's why I really thought coming out for that three-week stretch, everybody that was going to be able to contribute would have gotten enough snaps to be able to rotate them in and out. And we just did not see that on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, look at the numbers here. I mean, Don Chapman, Trey Morrison, Kyle McMichael played every snap on defense. Storm Duck would have until he went out. He played 72 snaps. The other guys played 81. And Obi Igbuna played nine snaps so the, the the nine that storm didn't get so you're asking about why these other players aren't playing patrice renee tony grimes they're just not up to the standard they're not trusted right now by the coaching staff and they would prefer to go with a with a storm duck or mcmichael over those guys until they're ready they feel like there's not much drop off but you see on the linebackers the outside linebackers you know Kevin rucker got 21 snaps and that's some of those are very important snaps chris collins got 13 desmond evans got 10 that's where you see a little bit more you know, those are some meaningful snaps in there, and, and 10 is, is a little bit more significant than, than, you know, two or three. Those are definitely a chunk of, of snaps that can that give the other guys, Tamon Fox, Tyron Hopper, a breather. So different position groups have different kind of um, ways they are, are mixing uh, the reps in and out. So it's kind of interesting to track, and kind of, it shows you who the players, uh, the players that are doing well and which players the, the coordinators and the coaches trust. Coffrey, Brand, Coffrey Brown, for example, got 43 snaps. Bo Corrales got 23. That's kind of interesting to see the outside receivers and the dynamics going on there. Yeah, and one thing I would say, too, is a couple of the names that we heard a lot of in training camp was like Kevin Hester, Christian Varner. Yeah. Those guys have combined for two snaps in two games. Um, you know, Cameron Kelly coming off injury, he's played 13 snaps. Patrice Renee coming off injury, he's played 15 snaps. Uh, even Zach Gill, who Mac Brown and Jay Bateman both praised in training camp, He's played 16 snaps. I don't think he played against he Boston play. College. He didn't play last week. So, did, yeah, producer Renee not playing either. That's crazy. And so, you know, with, with North Carolina kind of taking the stance with injuries that Larry Fedora did, and they're not going to tell us anything until game time, uh, you kind of lead into this discussion of, okay, well, are these guys hurt? Are these guys just not performing as well as the coaches want them to? Um, and so that's going to take a little bit of digging on our part to figure out exactly who's hurt and who's not. Uh, to, to really be able to kind of fill out and answer some of these questions. Well, Greg, the the discussion last year was, you know, is so-and-so at 100% better than Jason, Stro Jason Strobridge at 75 or whatever it was? I mean, 
when you've got Chas Surratt and Jeremiah Gimmel playing 100% of the game and Asante and Kadre Jackson getting none, that debate gets interesting, especially when you toss, toss in injuries or COVID or whatever else. I mean, they've played one of the seven. They've got six straight. Now, I don't – if I'm a betting man, I don't think there's any way they play six straight weekends. I just don't see it. But um, right now they're going into Virginia Tech game, possibly down some guys with injury. Jay Bateman says he – uh, if my memory serves, listening to him, he said he trusts everybody. Well, if you trust everybody and you've got six or you got 11 guys getting 95% of the snaps, that could be troublesome, couldn't it? Yeah. You're, you're seeing like, you know, all the, all the, all the preseason positives, like, oh, we love this guy. We love this guy because the parents are listening, they're listening, and then you really see what they really think during the games. Right. And that's, that's the big lesson here, right, Ross, is that yeah. you, Everybody sounds great. Everybody's made these tremendous strides during the offseason. <laughs> and every year you know, we buy into it. And we're ah, oh, this, this team's going to be stacked. All <laughs> these guys are awesome. And you get a game time, like, wait a minute, he's not even playing. Yeah. How's yeah. he not even playing and, if he's that good? And, so, and, and people on the message boards like, why is Tony Grimes not playing? Like, why is he not playing? <laughs> it's like, dude, he's a high school senior. And it takes a while. But, I mean – I love those freshmen, those breakout stars articles because they kill on traffic because people love to read about it. Right. People love the hype, love the positives. And in the back of your mind, it's like, dude, there's no way all these guys are going to play. <laughs> and you start you, – you, you showing how some of the sausage is made there, talking That's about right. the preseason articles. Um, Greg, no injury news. Clearly, that's the, the way Saturday mornings and all that kind of stuff is going to be that way. Is that a response to – other teams doing it or is that just something Matt Brown's adopted Um, because I don't remember him being that way way back in the day or even maybe at Texas no you know it's the initial plan for UNC under Mac was to kind of be up front and be like look on on Monday we'll kind of give you an update we're not going to tell you specific injuries we'll tell you upper body lower body then as the week goes along we'll, we'll let you know more details and as Mac told us on Monday, because other teams are kind of withholding information, like Virginia Tech, for example, what they released before the game against Duke is that they had, I think, 21 players out due to COVID, two coaches, but didn't provide names. Uh, and so I think you, Mac's point is kind of like Larry's was. It's like, look, you know, I don't want to give anything away if they're not going to you know, tell us who they've got out. And that you, we can get a lot of, into a lot of discussion about that. You know, when we said when North Carolina under Mac kind of – announced their original plan we're like look you know this this is kind of an indication that if, if you can coach your guys up and, and get them playing at a high level you don't have to play some of these uh injury games necessarily and that's i really think that you need uh an, an injury report uh plan set up nationally you know they mm-hmm. talked about it a couple of years ago fedora was against it uh but especially now that you have your gambling is going to be taking over in full force if it's not already in college athletics, uh, you know, you risk the, the possibility of getting some of these kids in, in trouble, kind of hiding information from would-be gamblers and from whoever else. Uh, so I think I'm, I'm always a fan, and granted, I'm a, I'm a reporter, so this is kind of what I do. I'm always a fan of more information, um, more transparency. You know, I know UNC made a big deal about being transparent coming out of the NCAA mess, so I think that's a, a good plan. Um, but when other teams aren't following that message, uh, you, you can understand why Mac's doing it. Uh, but I'm not a fan of it, and so it just means we have to dig more on our end. Um, and that's one of the things, you know, watching the game the other night, 
Jordan Tucker came off. He, he, he was hobbling. I think it was his right, right leg. Um, he didn't come back in the game. That's not a good sign. Storm Duck did not come off, you know, come back into the game. Well, he was, they were looking at his foot. Uh, I don't think uh, Raymond Bahasic came in and, and uh, Connolly did not come in. So that's four important names right there that we don't exactly know if they're going to be available. And so if they're not available, that, that is a game-changing situation for UNC this weekend. Yeah, and uh, I mean, with, with Tech, Virginia Tech, it's the, uh, the COVID stuff. They had – I was talking to a, a Virginia Tech reporter last night, and they had all – everybody but one in the two deep on their defensive backs not play against Duke. So only one player in their two, two deep, the starting two be played against Duke, a freshman, true freshman, Keonta Jenkins. So they were – I mean, they were hit hard. And it continued to be hit hard against Duke. So we'll see what happens against Carolina. They may get some of those guys back, but there's a, a two-week quarantine situation if you, if you contract COVID. So yeah, I think it's a 10-day now in the ACC, but yeah. Same. So the players that were out against Duke could still be out against UNC, depending on when they get back. I and mean, the defensive coordinator hasn't – I don't think he's called a play yet. He's been missed the last two games, yeah. to my knowledge. Crazy times, 2020. We'll talk about North Carolina's defense after the break. But let's, let's talk about the – the, another big keyword from Monday's press conferences, and Greg, I'll start your way again, patience on offense. I think uh, Jason Staples and I, and you maybe, maybe were in on the conversation, if Sam Howell would just take the free stuff, he could light it up all day. Um, can't argue really with his stats, but it appears he is not taking the free stuff. And in that, let's wrap Daz Newsom into that as well, because I think Daz may be some of the free stuff underneath Greg your thoughts on on that patience factor maybe with Sam Howell and the deep ball and all that well I think one way to kind of look at it is when you look at Daz Newsom and Deami Brown last year were both thousand yard receivers right uh, and you look at their targets this year uh, Daz Newsom has been targeted uh, six six times and Brown has been targeted 17 times that's quite the discrepancy uh, and I really do think that you know, this offseason, I wrote about this on, on Sunday, uh, but this offseason we, we talked about, okay, well, how does, how does Sam Howell get better? And everybody came, came around to the point of, hey, you know, if he can just use his feet more and scramble some, which is what we saw in the first half, his game will explode because now they have something else to have to defend, right? Uh, and I, you have to wonder how much that confidence comes into play that everything, I want to say it was easy, but it looked easy last year for Sam. Um, and some of the great passes that he made down, down the field time and time again. Uh, and so, you know, when the defense is frustrating you, it's got to be pretty tempting to say, you know what, I can throw this deep ball. I can get on down the field. We, we have a 70-yard touchdown, and uh, we can kind of smack this team around. And when that doesn't happen, that's when frustration sets in. And so what you see, and I think kind of a big point here, he's played 15 games. He's been sacked 43 times. Not good at math. That's almost three times a game. That's too many. I mean, you know, a sack, a drive, most of the time is going to force you to punt. Um, and so you're talking about maybe a quarter of your drives are kind of you know, damaged that way. But it really is just a situation. You could see it against Boston College. There are opportunities underneath. Uh, but he was willing to kind of wait in the pocket a little bit too long and move around a little bit too much, trying to find something to open up down the field. And what happens, he's 0 for 5 on deep passes, you know, 20 yards or more, uh, and you know, didn't have a great day. Was he, did he have a good day? Yeah, of course. But we're expecting, you know, greater things out of Sam. And so when you're, you're focused so much on down the field, that's why, you know, as I said, Newsom's had six targets all year. 
Uh, Garrett Walston, who we all praise after the Syracuse game because he did such a good job, uh, he's had two targets all year. Mm. Uh, Josh Downs, two targets. Uh, Toe Groves has two targets. And he has a target. He had a target on Saturday because Boston College didn't account for him. And he was running you know, 20 yards wide open on the left side of the field. So Sam had to throw it to him. Um, and so those are the ones that you have to take. That was kind of a good example is there are opportunities. Guys don't have to be wide open to throw it underneath. But when you have a guy like Daz, who is a punt returner and a very good one when given the opportunity, if you give him the ball five or 10 yards down the field, see what he can do. You know, it's what Ryan Switzer did forever. You know, we always talked about Larry Fedora's offense was a short passes, long gains. And, and Sam is not employing that. And that's one of the criticisms of the air raid is that there's so much focus on forcing the ball down the field. You don't necessarily take advantage of a lot of that stuff over the middle with the mesh routes and the crossing routes. And that's all he's got to do. Once he does that, you have to come up and defend it. And that's when you get some of those opportunities down the field. One thing, you know, obviously the defenses are playing back a little bit and you're getting more too deep with safeties and they're, they're covering that deep ball, but also they're, they're holding the ball more. They're, they're running the ball more. They're trying to keep the ball away from Sam Howell and the offense. They're getting less both. I think Phil mentioned it and Jay Bateman mentioned it that the, the offense is getting less um, snaps per game than, than last year already. You're already seeing the strategy that the defenses are using. Uh, to kind of slow down Sam Howe, Phil Longo, and the UNC offense. So two different things that they're employing after watching tape, uh, like we read in, in uh, Greg's article, for, for 13 games and seeing what they can do to stop Sam after such a good season last year. Well, well watching Jerkovic, or Jerkovic, I mean, he knew where his, uh, he knew where his uh, safety valve was on every play. Yeah. Am I missing something? Greg, is, and this is something that's important being there. It, are we missing – that availability for Sam Howe? Uh, I mean, because every time Jakovic got in trouble, he knew he could throw it to a spot on the field. He had a running back waiting for it. Right. And that's where the patience comes in because you, you have to have, all right, I've got this option and this, this option. And then I either have a hot route, right? If, if they're going to blitz or they, they're going to get to me, or I need to have a safety blanket, which is what uh, Hunter Long was for uh, Jakovic. And, there's no indication that the Sam has that. Um, and now is that a matter of chemistry? Is that a matter of game plan? Um, is it a matter of not having a talented option, whether it be at tight end or well, we know he likes Daz because Daz has such a good year last year. Uh, those are all good questions. And I don't exactly know what the answer is, uh, but you know, Zach Pinalto, for example, Eric Ebron, you know, they, these are talented tight ends that North Carolina has had over the years uh, who could give you big plays, but more importantly, you know, they're possession receivers. You know, Quinshaw Davis played that role. You just go out and do a 10-yard 10 10 out. It's easy first down when you need it. But if North Carolina has a third and seven, uh, who's the guy that, that Sam's going to go to time and time again to get those eight yards? And I don't know that we have that answer right now. Ross, uh, you know, you would think Bo Corrales is a guy that plays that role for North Carolina. You mentioned, what would you say, 23 snaps in the Boston College game, which was a little surprising. But the thing that made it so tough for Carolina to deal with Djokovic, you know what I'm talking about, the Boston College quarterback, is Greg, even on the sack where he was getting sacked, he threw it in the direction of the running back because he knew his guy was going to be there. I just think that's something Carolina needs to have available for Howell. But as Jason Staples said on the day after podcast, it's hard to 
get guys to coach guys away from doing what they're used to having success. And that's part of the growth. That's part of the maturity and all that stuff. Even somebody as good as Sam Howell can certain get certainly uh, get better in that regard. Ross, you got anything to add on the offensive side of the ball before we take a break, go talk defense. I think UNC has two great running backs and I think that's the strength of the team right now. And they need to pound the rock and find ways to get those two guys in space. Cause I think, I mean, I can't, I don't know if there's a better one, two duo in the ACC or in college football with, with Michael Carr and Javante Williams at both number one backs, um, you know, both like, you know, bell cow type backs. And so look, things aren't happening. Dump it down to Carter, Javante in the flat and give those guys a little bit of space and see if they can get four five, six yards per run, which you think they would. Cause essentially the, the passing game to your running backs is an extension of the running game in the air raid offense. And and we've talked about how multi-dimensional this, this UNC offense is in terms of skill positions, and they have two great running backs. So that should be – and they've been using them. They've, they've, had, they've had two great games. So that's just a, another point about there's multiple ways to, to attack defenses for Phil Longo and the, and the offense. Yeah, doesn't have to be um, all flash – it can be just dink and dunk. It'll work, especially like you mentioned, Michael Carter, Javante Williams. Those guys have been fantastic their entire careers at North Carolina, really. Let's talk about Johnny T-Shirt. Johnny T-Shirt.com, of course, great sponsors of Inside Carolina's podcast and friends of Inside Carolina. Get all sorts of gear from Johnny T-Shirt, both online and in store. Many sales. Any sales you can imagine, they come up, and especially as Ross always talks about, the holidays are coming up soon. And so get your gear and get that order in. Uh, so you get the gear delivered straight to your door or go see them in person. Throwback jerseys, basketball, football, tailgating, homeware, office wear, uh, man cave stuff, anything you need. Johnny T-shirt, johnnytshirt.com and 10% off your everyday order if you're Inside Carolina Premium subscriber, which I'm not sure um, how you could not be these days. Take another short break. Let the national guys pay the bills. We'll be right back. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average of 29 and 11. God, shit. what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing. We're back. This is the Inside Carolina podcast, On the Beat, with Greg Barnes and Ross Martin. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. Rate us, review us, subscribe, all that. Make sure you do it and do it quickly. All right. I know I've been going to Greg. Ross, I got to call Greg out, though. I've gone to Greg multiple times. But, Greg, even Jay Bateman calls you out, man. Even Jay Bateman calls you out for that Boston College pick. But I will tell you this. The entire time watching that Boston College game, I was sitting there thinking, that damn Greg Barnes is going to be right. <laughs> well, look, I, first of all, I want to thank Jay for, for tuning in to the preseason podcast. Uh, it's important for us to have North Carolina <laughs> football coaches tune in and listen to our insight. You know, if we can provide any kind of help to the coaching staff, that's what we aim to do. So that, that's, that's a good thing. Um, secondly, uh, I mean – Let's be honest. Let's be honest. <laughs> point spread, point spread at kickoff was 15. Mm. If you're a gambler, easy money. I mean, it's taking candy from a baby, right? I mean, the idea that North Carolina was going to be favored on the road by 15, that's eh, a bit much. That's, uh, I think some, some big heavy uh, batters took advantage of that with people getting uh, inflated opinions of what North Carolina was going to do. But 
But hey, you know what? The other part too, I'll give you number three, Tommy, since we're, going, we're on this topic. The point of a preseason podcast is, is to have fun with it, right? <laughs> Anybody, my nine-year-old daughter can look at stats and she can look at projections and say, well, I'm going to pick chalk, right? That's easy to do. You don't have to have any kind of football knowledge for that. <laughs> so we have to live. You have to be creative and take chances, right? Roll the dice a little bit. And uh, so you know what? If I got to take some heat for that, I'm, I'm happy to do it. Did, did anybody pick uh, any upsets similar to that? I wasn't invited on the preseason podcast. Oh, here no, we go. I, in the feelings. Nah, yeah. nah, actually. I don't like to Buck be and I, like Buck and I think both picked FSU. And I think we're Ooh. both going to be embarrassed come uh, October 17th. 7 p.m. Kick. That's going to be on national TV. That's going to be a – I mean, if you don't give me heat for a... picking Boston College, you should destroy me and Buck for picking Florida State because that, that is proven to be a very, very poor pick. Looks like they finally got their quarterback, though. They named that – whoever that was that, that started for them or played for them last week. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't watch enough of that Jackson – was it Jacksonville State? Jackson State? Mm. Florida State is a mess. And, Greg, you could have told him to go thank number four for delivering <laughs> the win. Um, but, anyway, Ross, defensive side of the ball. Uh, Jay Bateman said a couple things in that press conference that sort of caught me off guard, and I don't think they'll have to worry about it against Virginia Tech, is they were surprised what Boston College did. Assume mm-hmm. Boston College would try to pound it. Well, Virginia Tech's going to try to pound it. Um, your takeaways from Bateman's presser on Monday. <laughs> general question yeah i mean they bateman thought that they would use the bc running back and, and pound it more surprise how much they threw it they had success throwing it so i think they had to adjust on the fly to kind of to scheme that up and, and that might have resulted in, in how much success that boston college had throwing the ball and, and it seemed like they could kind of pick apart unc secondary um but unc's run defense remains stout that's something we've noticed um i think top 10 in, in yards per carry and that's going to kind of be that the talking point this week is Virginia Tech has a really good running back and a really experienced offensive line. Bateman talked about you know the guys they saw last uh, year on the offensive line. They've all you know all stayed. They all uh, um, a year a year more experienced. Khalil Herbert is the running back. Is he a Kansas transfer? Is that what I heard? Correct. Yep. Greg. Yeah. I mean, he's killing it. I think he's number one in the nation. And uh, is that right? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of uh, going on a whim here with some of these stats. but He's averaging 12.4 yards per carry. Yeah, two games and 312 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, I mean, he's beasting it. And I was talking to Norm Wood yesterday. He's a beat writer for Virginia Tech, and, and he said this offensive line is nasty. So we'll see we'll see how good this UNC defensive line is. You got Ray Vohasek, who went out for Carolina. You got Tamari Tamar Fox, who played every snap. You don't have those huge, big bodies you would like for the run defense. Maybe we'll see more of Zach Gill, maybe a couple of the younger guys, maybe some more Miles Murphy, um, and, and you maybe see less of this of the outside linebackers, defensive ends lining up. So you may see a little bit different uh, defensive front, but you do have Chad Stratt and Jeremiah Gimmel, who you know, Bateman's raved about, and you can see how intelligent those guys are in diagnosing blocking schemes, and diagnosing the run things, and, and, and Chad Stratt's been excellent in, in getting off blocks and making plays. So it's uh, you know two immovable forces coming together. We'll see what happens with, with the, the run attack of, of Virginia Tech versus the run defense of UNC. And one thing, Tommy, that, that we talked about last couple weeks with, with uh, Miles Wolfuck uh, being suspended and kicked off the team, is you know what does Jay Bateman do 
you know, do you do you play an extra guy up front or do you put in Conley? Well, Conley didn't start at Nickelback. They didn't start at Nickelback. And and Mac Brown touched on that today that because Boston College has this big offensive lineman, Jay Bateman was scheming to expect the run game more so than what BC has shown. And so if you look early in that game, North Carolina was playing with five defensive linemen on the line of scrimmage or five guys on the line of scrimmage. They weren't all defensive linemen. Uh, Kamon Rucker was the guy that went in to give them the fifth guy up front. Um, and we saw that several times in the first couple of possessions. And then they figured out, you know what? Boston College is not even going to try to run. So we're going to go back to what we typically do. Uh, and so I think that kind of gives you a little bit of a tell of what we can expect. Does that mean that Jay's going to do the exact same thing? No, it doesn't. But the fact that he was willing to take that approach. And as Ross said, when you have a guy or guys like uh, Chad Serrata and Jeremiah Gimmel, who are so fast laterally on that second level, I mean, Chase, he ran down several of those little swing passes and stopped them short for nothing when they looked like they could be big gains for Boston College. So when you have guys that can move that quickly on the second level, you can put an extra body up front. And so that, that will be interesting to see if that's what Jay does again this weekend. Greg, I slacked you while you were talking. You hadn't had a chance to look it up. I don't – Virginia Tech runs for, what, 300-plus a game. I wonder yeah. how many times – non-service academies have run for 300 times 300 yards in a game and not one that'll be well, homework for the game plan podcast i mean yeah if you take out you have to take georgia tech out of that equation but yep um if you take georgia tech out any of those triple option teams probably not very often that's it we talk about it all the time and this has been a something that buck has harped on since i've known him and for good reason and mac touched on it today whoever runs the ball the best and whoever wins the turnover battle, if you do those two things, your chances of winning go through the roof. That doesn't guarantee you're going to win, but that's going to put you in position to win. Um, and it's the NC State UNC thing for the longest time, last 20 years. Basically, whoever rushed for the most yardage in that game won. And I don't know what that is has been the last couple of years, but that was something we always focused on. So that, that's a critical component. And we don't know who's going to be the quarterback for Virginia Tech. I mean, Braxton Burmeister who's a transfer from Oregon, Oregon. I believe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he started against Duke, but against State, Quincy Patterson and Burmeister played. Hinden Hooker has come back from injury. He may be healthy um, against UNC. So you have three quarterbacks, and it's going to be, you know, it's just more work to kind of game plan and watch tape of all three to see their tendencies and everything. It's kind of crazy that Virginia Tech is going to have – got three, team, three games against three uh, triangle teams back to back to back. And Burmeister has only – he's carried the ball uh, two fewer times than, than Herbert. So, I mean, now granted, Herbert's running for 12 yards a clip, so you don't have to run him much. But the fact that the Burmeister has run that much – and he's quick. He had a good run against uh, Duke for a touchdown. So, he's a much faster option than what Carolina has played thus far because DeVito nor um, Dracovic, neither of those guys are, are big runners. Big, strong guys, but not, not fast. What's crazy is this Burmeister guy played behind Justin Herbert right. at uh, at Oregon. That's why he transferred, and now he's in Virginia Tech uh, as a starting quarterback, and, and Herbert's killing it for the Chargers. You got Patterson too, Greg, and that Patterson. When he's did big. he when did he come in last season? When did Hooker go out against Carolina? It was in the third quarter last year, and Patterson well, came in. Hooker like, came in what in second quarter, I believe, and he's it, the one that rallied them to take the lead yeah. at halftime, and then I think Patterson got hurt or. Hooker got hurt in the second half, and Patterson came in. Yep. So Virginia they had Tech, three three quarterbacks played last year, and you could see as many as three play this weekend. 
Raw secondary injuries, one of our topics for today. Uh, Connolly's got some sort of injury, looked like a lower body type thing. Storm Duck, folks are all over the place. It looked like a foot to me and the way they were treating it. Um, who knows what it is? It did not look good either way. Um, I said it earlier. Bateman said he play, He trusts all his guys. I guess we'll find out Saturday, Greg. Who steps in for Storm Duck? I like how Tommy prefaced me and then went to Greg. Hey, Greg can take it. Uh, I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean, Obi Igbuna, if Storm can't go, Obi Igbuna is the guy that Bateman seemed to trust the most over Patrice Rene and over Tony Grimes. Uh, I mean, that, and that's. Didi, right? Oh, yeah. And why has his name changed like three times since we're. I just call him DeAndre Hollins. Yeah. Um, Ross well, or Greg, it's all the same. Yeah. Um, so that secondary room is getting smaller and smaller. First, you lose Miles Wolfolk, you lost um DJ Ford, you lost the Virginia Tech transfer, uh, Bryce Watts, Bryce Watts, Jay, Javon Terry, you lost Bryson Richardson, who would be maybe your starting nickelback if Jacoris Conley couldn't go. Um, so there's a couple movements now if Conley and the Duck can't go. Now, we don't know what's happening here, we'll find out. Maybe this week, but for sure on Saturday. But uh, yeah, Storm Ducks, what your maybe your best cornerback, maybe your second best behind Kyler McMichael, and, and definitely a guy they value and who's had two good games. And then uh, Conley was just getting his feet wet in his first start. So there's definitely some concern. I think there's some concerns now with depth because now you're getting the guys who haven't really played much. You're not getting into that too deep. You're, you're moving in players, you're moving in OB, you're moving in. Um, you know, maybe like a uh, to Cam Kelly, you know, guys like that who could be playing more now if, if things get reorganized. You, know, you remember Trey Morrison, he could play anywhere. So it kind of gives you a, a nice uh, Swiss Army kind of knife piece there. Nice segue to Greg. Does Trey Morrison stay at safety? He looked fantastic against Boston College, Greg, but is he better as safety than, say, a Cam Kelly maybe if Kelly's healthy? That's the question, right? Because if you'd asked me that question – uh, I mean, however many days ago the season started, a month ago, I would have said, you know, if, if you have no more options at corner or nickel, then yeah, of course you would move Trey Morrison back. Just because we all thought that that Chapman and, and Kelly uh, and Wolfolk were all kind of interchangeable pieces. But what we saw at Boston College is, is that either Cam Kelly, um, you, they don't trust him to that extent yet. He's still coming back from that injury. Or maybe if he's nicked up or something. Um, and so I, that, that's a big question mark. If, if Kelly is, is capable and willing to go, ready to go, I assume that they would feel better moving Trey Morrison back to nickel. Um, but to, to Rice, Ross's point, the fact that he can play so many different positions is, is very beneficial for Jay Bateman. And you really say, okay, we have to get our best five on the field in the secondary. Yeah. And Trey Morrison's one of those five. So who are these other guys that can step up and play? And the fact that, uh, as Ross laid out, so many injuries at safety. Now we're talking about injuries potentially at, at cornerback and, and nickelback. Your options are, are whittling down very quickly. Uh, and who would have thought? Who would have thought? You know, two months ago that we'd be having this conversation. So let me ask the question that's going to be on the board every week. Any chance anybody opts back in? I saw somebody out back in for some P5 school on Twitter earlier today. Greg, is that even a remote possibility for North Carolina? I have to ask. You know, that's a good question. I don't think so. I think once they opt out, it's pretty much done. And I assume that's probably on a case-by-case -case basis by schools. Um, but, you know, 
to my knowledge, you know, there was really never a, an indication that once these guys opted out, they can come back in. You can opt out. It's not going to affect your status, anything like that. Uh, but, but I think, I think that's not going to be the case. I know we've talked about before. Uh, there's an offensive lineman a couple of years ago that uh, had left the program and they let him come back just because they needed him. They needed the numbers. And so uh, that's that a unique name? situation. What was that guy's yeah. name? Was that Cohen? Yep. Was yeah, that's right. It was Cohen. That's right. He's working at Home was... Depot or something, right? Um, <laughs> that's not even funny. That's a hey. That's a good job. Oh yeah, he no, no. Pays no a I'm saying wage. he was. He's actually kind of left the, the sport and was. Yeah, I think it was Dick Sporting Goods. I think it was Dick yeah. Sporting Goods actually. Right. Uh, I was gonna add. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's like, once the season starts, you can't hop back. I mean, I. I but they're know. doing it elsewhere, right? They're doing. Oh well, yeah, it I think like, like I think Michigan players out back in like definitely players out back in. And I don't know what's happened elsewhere, but like from a team perspective, like we busted our ass for nine weeks. We did the preseason workouts, we did all this stuff, and you're gonna come back in and now play, and now now you're all good. Like I don't know if that just doesn't work when you talk about team concept, and I don't know. I just don't think. I think they could use these guys, but I'm not sure if it's the best situation for the team and everything. Like if Bryce Watts comes in and takes a starting job, and Tony Grimes, you know, skipped his his prom to come help y'all out, that type of deal. Valid points. I think at some point you got to have bodies. The way right this yeah, season's going, they right, played. You're right. They've played two games thus far, and that packed DB room is down to six healthy bodies, maybe seven. Yeah, anyway, Greg, Greg's got his uh, Sunday Tiger Woods hat on. Yeah, really? Where's <laughs> the red, red shirt? That's right. That's I need right. my uh, clay shirt. My uh, is it Foo Fighters neck, again? Did right? you wash that? Did you wash the Foo Fighters shirt? <laughs> oh yeah. All right, boys, anything else that we have not covered? Um, it's a big week for North Carolina. Do, do we think Carolina's a top 10 team realistically or are they a top 20 team? Ross, I know what I the polls I, say. I, well, I think when you add in Big 10 gets cooking and, and Pac-12 gets cooking, they're probably more of a top 15 team. But, I mean, you're as good as your record. So, I mean, they have, they have what, six or seven winnable games up until they, they play Notre Dame and, and Miami. That's one of the, the really, really tough games. So, this will be a big test. I mean, this will be a really big test. And uh, it's unfortunate that they're going to have some injuries. But I think Gene Tech does as well. All right, Greg, make some more bullet bu- bulletin board material before we get out of here. What should Carolina be ranked? <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> it is um, – you know, it's one of those things – Watching this team in the first two games, you're like, ah, oh, it's not a top 10 team. But then you watch some of these other teams, and you're yeah. like, oh, maybe they are. And I think it's just a 2020 deal. I don't think we're going to know anything about any of these teams really till we get into late October. And then we'll have a pretty good idea of who's great. I mean, Alabama looks really good. Clemson looks really good. Go figure. Who would, who would ever thought that? And then a lot of these other teams are, oh, okay, maybe. They, they have some strengths. They have some weaknesses. I just think it's, it's too early. I mean, like Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech's numbers, given what they've dealt with with COVID, you'd be like, wow. And Mac made the point. He was like, I think they're completely underrated. And I think this is one of the fallacies of early preseason rankings. I don't disagree with him with the fallacy of early preseason rankings or early season rankings. Um, but then you look at some of their like, I mean, what Burmeister's done passing the ball. It's not impressive. I mean, he was not good at all against Duke throwing the ball. Um, so there's some deficiencies there. I think you can nitpick most of these teams. I think I think we're weeks away from being able to get a firm handle on who's legitimately top ten teams. I think this weekend, I think UNC is going to be able to pass the ball with with ease, especially if those if the secondary Virginia Tech secondary has anybody out with with COVID, 
And then uh, I think Virginia Tech's going to have some ease running the ball. So you'll see two different types of offenses going. And I think UNC can run the ball too. So they might, they might play to the Tar Heels' advantage. And what was it? A, uh, what was the spread? Well, it started off at Saturday? seven and it dropped. Yeah, seven and it was five. It was five on Sunday. What game it. was that? Carolina Virginia uh, Tech. The Virginia one Tech. Where, you know, like the inside Carolina thing we're talking about here. The game Saturday? <laughs> Coming up game, Virginia Tech. UNC. I thought it was three and a half. It was yeah, started at seven and then it was five. I don't know what it is now. Oh. I saw somebody on the board post three and a half, so I just assumed that the, the board information was correct. Yeah, I believe everything I read on the message boards too. I typically do. I, hang on one second so I don't <laughs> sound like a fool. Yeah, it started at seven, now it's down to five. You guys are right. Well, I'm even questioning you. Hey, I just want to win my $41.99. <laughs> I spent <Yeah>. it well. <laughs> spent it well. All right, Pete. Pete Rose there. <laughs> All right. Inside Carolina podcast. You've been listening to it on the beat. Ross Martin, Greg Barnes, Johnny T-shirt and Johnny T-shirt.com. Thanks boys. All right. See you guys. Yep. Rate Thanks us, time. review us, rate us, review us on <laughs> Apple iTunes. Got to get it in. Subscribe on YouTube. All that good stuff. We'll see you again soon. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by Johnny T-shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.